us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. It's Grash and Keith on WEEI. Eleven oh one with Gresham Keefe here with you. We've got you until twelve oh eight p.m. before we hand it off to Boston Red Sox baseball. The Red Sox will take on the Detroit Tigers today, out in Detroit. Sox are a minus one twenty-five favorite. Over under nine and a half. Well, dangerous on those over unders in Major League Baseball. Make sure you uh, do your homework accordingly. A primetime parlay coming your way at 11.45. Right now, he joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. He is brought to us by Dr. Dr. Matthew Lopresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of one Tom E. Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. We welcome in from NBC Sports Boston, our friend Tommy Curran. Tommy, good morning. What's up, Andrew? I'm uh, okay. It feels like right now we're in the... Definitely for players, for uh, for rookies, it is the visiting period. Where are we at on NFL free agency right now, Tommy? Do you think that the guys like a Dante Hightower or others who haven't signed are kind of screwed? Is there a waiting game going on? How do you sort of see this kind of pool of veteran free agents who we think still might be able to play who don't have jobs just yet? I think – we're at that stage where a cork has been put in free agency until post-draft and also post-May 2nd, I believe it is, when compensatory pick formulas change. Um, so guys who are free agents who are signed elsewhere, you know, there's, there's a compensatory formula that a team would be docked if they signed a player, et cetera. But I think right now it's, okay, we've gone through first wave free agency. We've made some of our decisions in second wave free agency. There's still talent on the board, whether it be Hightower or Honey Badger or even a guy like Steven Nelson, who's a corner who started uh, a ton for the Steelers and the Eagles. Um, We'll see what we get in the draft. We'll see what we get in undrafted free agency, and then we'll set a course and see are some of these guys who might be accustomed to making eight, nine, or ten million dollars a year willing to play for us on a contract that might pay them half of that? Now, last offseason, Tom, obviously this team needed a real overhaul. They spent a ton of money in free agency and they drafted really well for them. However, it feels like this year, maybe not quite as many needs as a year ago, but maybe more than you thought that they would have based off what they did last year. Is that fair? Yeah, it's very fair, and I think that a lot of it traces back to the draft shortcomings that that Robert Kraft has highlighted. The Patriots had to buy tight ends because the two they drafted in 2020, Keenan Asiasi, aren't working out, and they ignored the position even as Rob Gronkowski was going out the door. So you had to buy Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry to staff that. So those are picks that went out the window that could have been used elsewhere. You look at cornerback. They have a, a a spotted corner that needs to be filled. Well, Stephon Gilmore aged out and priced himself out, and J.C. Jackson kind of did the same thing. But if Joe Juan Williams could play at all, you might not be in a position where you had to put that as a priority. Offensive line, they created a situation at guard with Shaq Mason. Bill zigging when you think, you know, there's no zigging or zagging needs to be. Just line up with Shaq Mason at guard. That makes sense. And so I think we, we would have to scrutinize 
yeah, they did a lot of shopping last year, but the poor drafts led to them having to shop and still having the holes. Mm-hmm. Tommy, uh, Keith and I definitely differ on Mac, but what do you make about Mac, the work this offseason, the working with the wide receivers, and everything that is he he is doing outside of that coaching influence, which he really hasn't dealt with yet in minicamp. I guess we'll kind of cross that bridge next month. But what do you make of Mac's offseason and how he has attacked it so far? I think it's status quo for <clears throat> the quarterback position in 2022. If you're a franchise quarterback, you better be getting people together and throwing. I think it's probably happening in, in every city where there's an established guy or a rising guy to do that. I'm not sure it's happening, you know, in green Bay, but you know, where you have a guy on the rise, what I think is important will be to see how much latitude Mac Jones gets, because you can't be coached right now at all. You can't have contact with coaches. So how much latitude will Mac Jones have in fashioning whatever offense the 2022 Patriots will run because he's got more hands-on experience than Joe judge with Kendrick Bourne, with Johnny Smith, with Devontae Parker. So I think Mac Jones, I would fast track him immediately into the executive, the executive track to put him in a position where he can be not just the guy carrying out the orders, but to help craft significantly help craft what the Patriots will do. So do you think the offense is going to look a lot different than it did a year ago? And we've discussed the whole idea of, all right, there's no fullback now, or at least that's what they're saying. There's no fullback. So that could change it. Cause part of me says, well, Mac Jones is going to be more comfortable in the same offense. But then the other part of me is sort of what you were saying is, all right, but you got guys coming in here who have never called plays and are familiar with it to a point, but it was never really their specialty mm-hmm. to do it. So how much of last year's year of knowledge is really going to be beneficial to Mac if things are so different? That's, you know, really what I think is going to be fascinating to watch unfold mini camp, training camp. And then when the season begins, when it will be unveiled what they're doing, but they don't have a sudden slot receiver. Maybe they get one in the draft, Mm -hmm. but they don't have that now. And they had it for 20 years, whether it be Brown Welker or Edelman. They don't have a third down back like James White was. They have James White, but he's not what he was. And it's the question mark coming into this year. So those two positions would sometimes get upwards of 180 targets in the offense. So is this going to become more of a perimeter offense? And if it is a more of a perimeter offense, does Mac Jones have the arm strength? to go back and throw from one hash to the opposite sideline with enough velocity to get it there. The anticipation's there, the accuracy's there, but he has to work on the velocity. So there's a lot of question marks, basically, Rich. I don't know what it's going to look like, but you don't have the personnel to make it look the same as you did, really. Right. right. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston with Gresham Keefe on the Harbor One Hotline talking some football with us as he does each and every week. What is your vibe right now what, 16 days before the first round of the NFL draft? What is your vibe and what the Patriots will do at 21? I think they're in an awesome spot because the needs that they have are all deep. Corner, offensive tackle, offensive guard, um, and wide receiver. So you can take the very best player who's sitting there. And excuse me, I should say edge slash 
second-level genius at linebacker. So there's five significant spots, and all of them are pretty deep. So they're in a great spot. I hate trading back, but if you can trade back and add picks and still get those positions staffed, that's great. Um, you can also, when you're looking at a draft with so many teams that have multiple first-round picks, think about trying to scoot up a little bit too because some of those teams are going to say, you know, we're in business to to trade back as well with our second first-round pick. So I look forward to this draft in that there's so many options for the Patriots, and they, they almost can't go wrong, knock on wood. They can't go – they well, they can't afford to, but they almost can't go wrong. There's, there's going to be very good players there. It's not a top-heavy draft, but there are going to be good players there from 10 to 60, tons of them. We've seen Bill uh, a number of years draft injured guys or at least injury-prone guys that maybe dropped a little bit. He felt there was real good value, and that result has been obviously uh, both hit and miss. I'm curious, that's usually been done when the team's really good and they're not relying on a rookie to step in and play really well. Mm -hmm. Would there be a little bit more hesitancy to take maybe a John Mechie in the second round? Because if you're trying to compete this year in a really, really good AFC, you don't know how much – he's going to play whereas if you were that might be the best pick for the future that might be the best pick for the 23 24 patriots but how important is getting guys like mac jones christian barmore ramondre stevenson that can play right away i think it's more critical than usual yeah. because you want to be able to sit there after the draft and say okay here's our depth chart these are the guys who are starting at these positions well who's starting at guard on when on one side and then Justin Haran on the other. I, I mean, you need some, you could use someone there. You need a swing tackle since between the two tackles that the Patriots have, they're probably going to play instead of 34 games, probably 21 between them. So you need a better swing tackle. So I think that you can't be in a red shirt position and the Patriots have red shirt of like maniacs, whether it's especially at the linebacker position, Ronnie Perkins, a third round pick last year, uh, Anthony Jennings, who was, I believe, a second-round pick. Correct me on that. Yeah, I think so. I think he was second. Um, he's got, he got redshirted last year, right. you know, put on IR. So you can't have these guys who are just going to sit there and be in the weight room all year instead of on the field. And the Patriots have been seemingly willing to allow that phenomenon to happen, which great work if you can get it if you're a 22-year-old, but you should be playing. Uh, third round pick, by the way, uh, for Anthony Jennings. Thanks. Same same round as Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, who are still on the team, I believe. Right, Tom? I think those guys are. They still- <laughs> are. They are. They are. They are patriots. They're going to be a part of the new tight end fullback group. Yeah, great. It's, uh, great. Got to uh, got to add depth there, Tommy. Uh, in terms of the second round, you have teams like the Jets. You have Seattle. There are lots of teams with multiple second round picks, and some of them who feel like they would be desperate for high-end talent. And I guess that's really what it comes down to in terms of 21. Do we think we can get one guy that can come into play right away? Or if you slide back a little bit, can we get two? I know Keith had mentioned about some of the injured guys, and I guess John Mechie is going to visit today. I'm I'm curious for your thoughts. Like, again, they have drafted the injured guys before, but these wide receivers, and considering you need the immediate help, do you still view this as you got to get it immediacy to this draft, and mm-hmm. then maybe your fourth round guy becomes the dude you put on layaway, and there you're starting running back next year when Damian Harris leaves? 
exact. And that is really an interesting transition the Patriots have to make with their approach. They drafted Isaiah Wynn. Was he? A, no, he wasn't start a first year start. But say for for instance, Nate Solder wasn't a guy who had to start when he came in. No, Wynn missed his he, entire he, rookie year, Tom, and then and then he played because he got hurt, yeah. right? Yeah, Wynn did. Yeah, right, so he, but he, he was he was ticketed to start. I think at left hand. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Solder to took um, Solder. I think played like a little bit of guard before he made the full transition. To your point, Tom. Yeah, like yeah, they, right. so they, they could, sort of moved him around a little bit. I mean. Yeah. Duggar was a developmental player. They could afford with Duggar, and that was a second-round pick mm-hmm. um, because they had Phillips, who's been an awesome player, and they had um, Devin, and they had Chung. Actually, Chung was down. Be that as it may. Mm-hmm. They have to get guys who can probably start in September, if not by November. I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious, and that's the interesting thing about a guy like John Mechie. You see the profitability of these college quarterbacks being married up with guys that they have experience with. And you can see how obvious the need is for the Patriots to find somebody who's kind of a security blanket for Mac Jones. We thought the same thing, though, about layup draft selections for the Patriots, whether it be a Hunter Renfro or a Tyler Lockett or a Debo Samuel. And you have guys who sit there (laughs) on the board and Bill just continues to zig mm-hmm. when you think the obvious zag is right there to take that player, and they don't, and you end up having to kick rocks over it later on. I think the obvious thing is find a way to get John Mechie on the team. Again, once you've done your due diligence, me standing here you know, in my office in Freetown, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. Hey, we're, no, we're, all, we're all GMs, Tom. Are you kidding me? That's the whole, that's yeah. the whole fun of this thing. Uh, but, last... that, but that's the thing. Is he, yeah. he goes unconventional. He revels in being unpredictable. And sometimes the predictable thing, i.e. hiring an offensive coordinator, right. might be the smart thing to do. I would agree. I would tend to agree with you on that. Last one, quick. Uh, the Patriots Hall of Fame. We got the list of names of players and coaches. It's obviously got to be really backed up. A lot of these guys are deserving. But if you can only put one in, Logan Mankins, Lawyer Malloy, Bill Parcells, Mike Vrabel, Wes Welker, Vince Wilfork, who are you going with? Vrabel. The reason is it's a team Hall of Fame, not a league-wide Hall of Fame. And you have to weigh in the importance to the team and what the team's been about. So when I look at Welker and Mankins, who are players who were more decorated around the league and the things they did as all pros and pro bowlers, and you look at Vrabel, it's different. But Vrabel embodied the versatility of playing offense, defense, special teams, and multiple positions on the defense. He was part of that cultural build that they had, not that Welker and Mankins, Mankins especially weren't. He only went to one Pro Bowl, but I think that the value of Mike Vrabel to the Patriots at a critical time that allowed the Mankinses and the Welkers to flourish make him a guy <clears throat> that I would put ahead of them. And that's what I did. I had Vince Wilfork, then Vrabel, then Welker. And it, it was hard to keep Mankins out, knowing that he absolutely deserves to be in there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that hard to keep Fairbank, yes, Fairbanks, to keep Parcells off my ballot. But I do know there's a, a pretty compelling case to be made why he should be in, but I can also make the case that he shouldn't be because actively tried to undermine the team for about six years. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports <laughs> Boston. Tommy, thanks a bunch. We'll catch you next week, friend. Thank you, guys. Take thanks, care. Tom. There goes uh, Tommy. You can catch him at NBC Sports Boston.